Hello, my name's Tim Perko, and you're listening to I Believe. Now what? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of I Believe, Now What? So, today I had an opportunity to be interviewed by one of my buddies I go to church with, Jonathan Lunsford. He has a podcast of his own called Beyond the Pew with Rev John. If you get a chance, go over there and check it out. Well, he wanted to interview me because I am currently active duty in the military, and he wanted to talk about what Christian life is like in the military. I take advantage of any type of message that can possibly get out there. So I jumped all over it and I agreed. And in today's podcast episode, we're going to break away a little bit from the Bible study and we're going to go into this interview that I did with him over on his channel. And he was so kind to let me upload it to my channel. Well, anyways, here's the interview with Rev John from Beyond the Pew. So are you ready? Yep. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity for us to come together to talk about your word, about your causes, your people, your kingdom. Lord, I ask that you just bless this conversation as we mix two different podcasts together, Beyond the Pew with Rev. John, and I believe now what, coming together to have a uh, joint podcast. Lord, we ask that you just bless this time and, uh, and just let us reach the people in a way that needs to be reached. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So today, everybody, I have... Uh, we're doing a a double podcast. I can't remember what a uh, collaboration, maybe. Yeah, collaboration. Uh, where you yeah. mix two different together, which it's kind of funny because in the podcast world, there are a lot of podcasters that do this just so they'll have a guest. Oh yeah. And so yeah. when you listen to podcasts, you'll see about every time there's a guest on a show, they have a podcast too. So it's kind of like one of them reciprocal things. You come on my show, I'll come on your show. And so yeah. then, and it then makes life easy too, because then you don't got to create as much content either. Yeah. You yeah, just let the conversation so. flow. So today we have Tim Perko. Yep. Perko. And it's from Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. In just Cleveland about. area. Where, yeah. where at in Cleveland? Uh, a little tiny town called Montville. It's uh, pretty much not really known for anything. Uh, there's like a town about 10 minutes down that's known for being like the third largest Amish community in the oh, world. Wow. Yeah. So. I guess that's the closest name, name to fame that they have in that community. But yeah, nice little tiny blue collar town. So how far are you from like Jacobsfield or wherever the Indians play and all that? Uh, so downtown Cleveland is about a forty-five minute drive from where I grew up. Okay, so so you're a Browns fan. The the reason we started talking was that Bible study one night you had an Indians shirt on, mm-hmm. and I asked you, are you an Indians fan or you just have the shirt? And you said I'm a fan. So I was like, okay, cool. And so. And then off the the first night we started talking and we got into some theological differences between <laughs> us, and which normally I'll, I'll admit in the past that would have just destroyed the conversation. Mm-hmm. I would have just been like, okay, I can't handle that. But I'm getting a little better. I'm 40 now, so I'm getting a little bit to the point where I can see a difference, and and which is what this podcast is about is yeah. being able to look at a difference, see the difference, and and move beyond that. Mm-hmm. And then just all the similarities we have are enough that we can still get along. Oh, exactly. Um, as long as you approach things in love and sincerity, I mean, you're not trying to be cruel about it. And, you know, this is the way, this is the only way. You know. Yeah, this is it. This is my way. Or, and unfortunately, a lot of churches are like that. But anyway, real quick, you're uh, in Louisiana because you're active duty Army, correct? Yes, active duty Army, uh, just about to hit 15 years in. Okay, and your rank is? Uh, E7, so that's our first class for the Army. So it's kind of funny to me, right? I got out of the Navy as an E5, and all the E7s were higher ranking than me. You know, in the Navy, there's that difference between being a blue shirt and being a khaki, and that's E6 E7. So we didn't really spend that time around E7s because they were khakis and we were blue shirts. There was like fraternization line where you didn't cross it. It's know? the same thing for the Army. That's where they separate uh, senior NCO from junior NCO from okay. 6 to 7. Okay, so it's funny to me to, to be talking to somebody who's equivalent to that who's younger than me. <laughs> and so I guess I've, I've done and left that, you know, it's, but it's cool. So what's your uh, MOS? So my MOS 13 Bravo, that's a cannon crew member at the basic level. And what that job is pretty much field artillery, field artillery, that's cannons launching huge hundred pound projectiles downrange and pretty much suppressing the enemy in whatever form we have to do it in. So for y'all listening, MOS is a designation uh, for whatever their job is. So like infantry is 11 Bravo and, and every one of them is a little different. There was actually a rate. I looked into going back into the military, you know, but I don't know, about 10 years ago, 
And uh, there was a rate in the Army called 55 kilo, mm. which is basically sailors because the Army has more ships they do. than the Navy does. They do. And the Navy has more airplanes than the Air Force does. So it's, it's kind of confusing. Yeah, so, it, is, it is fun. But I looked into that, and, and, and then I had to retake the ASVAB. And, um, and so I was like, man, I'll do good on this. And I got a four. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, okay. That recruiter called me back and said, man, you got a four. And he kind of laughed. And I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I said, Lord, thanks for not letting me go back into the military, I guess, is all it mm-hmm. was. So. But uh, so you're been in for almost 15 years. How old are you? I am 34 right 34, now. 34. So you let me join right out of high school. And uh, you got into church. Uh, you grew up in church. And we don't spend too much time in that right now. We kind of get back to that minute. Just kind of lay a foundation of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um you have you were in church. You joined the army. You did the army thing, and then you kind of got away, and then you kind of find yourself coming back, and then and then you know you're you're back in the kingdom minded. You're a kingdom minded person now. Yes, exactly. You summed it up perfectly in a lot fewer exactly words what than I, I would have done. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what I did. I was in church, a pastor's kid. Got in church, uh, and then um, I wasn't a pastor's kid for very long, but I was for a while, and I and then the navy. Um, well, it wasn't. It is it, okay. So it's not the navy, and it, it, it just as if it's not the army. It's not the military. It's mm-hmm. just our minds and our carnal, uh, the carnal nature as as who we are. As Paul says, our carnalness, um, that draws us away. Uh, that pulls us away from. Yeah, from the, I wouldn't put the blame on the military. But itself. the military has its um, shenanigans. It has its oh, yes. traditions and stuff like that, which does. So today we're going to talk about for the topic for today is is how it is to try to be a Christian in the military. And that is, for those uh, who've never been in the military, uh, you can kind of probably grab the idea of what it's like, um, but it is very difficult. It is very difficult to, um, it's, it's difficult to be a Christian anywhere, but in the military, you have a totally different society. You have a totally different structure of, of an ecosystem of people that are geared different, uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's less than one percent of the United States population has served in the military. Yep. And, and that one percent generally are people who are a little on the crazy side. Yeah. Just generally speaking, yep. yeah. Uh, it takes a special person, uh, or a not special person. It takes a special type of person to be able to go into combat, to be able to handle those situations. And if you're not that type of person, you either wash out, or they make you that type of person. Yep. And uh, and so then you find yourself in situations where you're just doing what the military does. You're just doing this thing. So if you would kind of give us a quick rundown of, of your uh, time in the military as you started, where you were spiritually, and then and, and kind of how long it took you to get in and all that kind of stuff. So I was on a – when I first joined up, 2004, I was already kind of going in a downwards trend. I wasn't hanging out with the right people. I stopped going to church. I stopped going to the youth group that I was a part of at the time. And I was entering into college, and my life was just kind of going in a downwards trend. When I think I failed a psychology test uh, the one semester of college I did. I didn't even complete it, actually. I saw the recruiter, so I jumped up in there, and two weeks later, I was out. And I was going to basic training at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Family thought I was crazy, but started out in basic Basic was tough because that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to put that mental stress on you. And honestly, I I had to start falling back to the way my parents raised me, which was in the Lord, which kept me strong through going through basic, kept me mentally stable and able to accomplish everything I needed to accomplish there. And once I got out of basic and went to my first station, uh, which is Fort Bragg, North Carolina, then it just went right back to the way it was. And I started getting soaked up into that military lifestyle it, it, a lot of glorification of worldly things really the the between the language the stuff that you do on your off time the womanizing and i'm just being real with it because that's what we did and we went out we deployed we sacrificed a lot when we deployed and when we got home we let loose and we went crazy in the world and it really wasn't until about Five years in, I start realizing, all right, I need to start changing my life up here a little bit. I already met my wife at that point. We got married very fast, within three months. 
And that's, if you're in the military, that's you know, classic. that's, that's pretty typical. Yeah. And our marriage was starting to go on the rocks a little bit. And that's what kind of opened my eyes up. Like, all right, I know the key to a successful marriage is built on a foundation of God. I need to start going back towards that. And then I started the very slow, but steady climb, getting back into walking in the spirit. And my wife was taking that step by step with me and not really until about five years ago personally for me is when kind of had a breakthrough where I just kind of gave it all up the whole stuff of the world I didn't want it anymore and I just started immersing myself in the Bible I started reading my Bible more I started doing Bible studies I wasn't looking for some type of personal experience anymore and what I really wanted to do was just dig in the word and read the word my father who's my spiritual mentor here on earth honestly he's he, he's always tried to put me on the right path towards God. And he, he was my mentor for a lot of it. If I had questions coming up and really then that's re really where we led up now. And now I arrived here in Louisiana. I found myself in a duty where I have a little bit more free time than I'm used to. Uh, typical work life for an E7 in the army is, you know, usually zero five in the morning till 20 hundred at night. You know, just working on whatever the heck they tell you to work on. And here I have a lot more time to be able to study, to dive into the word. And pretty much I can thank my, I can thank this, uh, you know, obviously it happened for a reason. I feel like God wanted me here. I actually tried to get out of coming Fort Polk, yeah. you know, a di uh, two different times and they kept calling back. Nope, can't do it. And I honestly know why now, because it really brought me back into getting into the word, studying and once again, building up on that foundation that I grew up on of walking in the spirit. Well, it helps. There's nothing to do here. Yeah, that's 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 a that's another <laughs> a lot of good sign. fishing and stuff like that. I love the fish. Yeah. So, what do you? What's your job now? What's your job right now? So, current job. So, my current duty is a live fire OC at JRTC Fort OC. Polk. Yeah. So, the OC is an observer, controller, trainer, and you pretty much just watch people doing the job that you were just previously yeah. doing. So me would be artillery. And what JRTC is, is the Joint Readiness Training Center. It's where units come in and they pretty much play war games. And during those war games, they evaluate how they would operate at war. They figure out what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. And then they can make adjustments from there for whenever they do eventually deploy. Yeah, so for us, those weren't done at Fort Polk. Those were done at sea. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we would get underway and they would do the joint exercises and all that kind of stuff. And they would train us and observe, make sure we're up to par before we deploy. Um, so yeah, it's, my story is very similar, um, extraordinarily similar. And, and it's not, I didn't really get myself back in the, or God didn't really draw me back and I didn't really get back into it till after I was out of the Navy. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's kind of funny how this story, our story that's so similar is not the only two people. I mean, there's so many people who, who get into the military. And and so I was fortunate. I was with, um, I went to Chicago for boot camp in, uh, in September, uh, which was just over 22 years ago. And, uh, and I spent an entire year in Chicago between boot camp and my first two schools. I had tech school, which is like basic electronics. Then I had an A school, which is with y'all's version of AIT, um, that's advanced individual training. Yeah, we're trying to use all our acronyms and explain them for some of you guys who aren't military. But so for our A school, which I don't know what it means, uh, <laughs> it it was there in Chicago, um, and I was in the A school break room one day, uh, and that's where I met my wife. She was in the same building. So and she's from Derrider, so that's how I wound up back here. Yeah. So, uh, but we didn't start dating until later on in Virginia. But uh, um. But when I was in, in Chicago, in Great Lakes, I had a roommate. They had four people in a room. They're not much bigger than this one. And one of the roommates was from uh, Cedro Woolley, Washington. Name is Andrew Fifield. Never forget this guy. He's, he, I, I, I mean, I'm trying to get him on the podcast. He's one of the most influential guys at the beginning of my, of my military time because he had a car. <laughs> and he, he grew up in the Assemblies of God. And one day I was talking about church, and he said, hey, I have a church. And so we went to the church and— for months, I went to church with him on Sundays when I didn't have duty or anything. And uh, so even even when I was trying to, to live and sow my wild oats and stuff, it was 
constant God was constantly like there, like, mm-hmm. hey, here, here's this guy. And then when I got to Virginia, I started dating Christina. Um, my dad, I, my dad contacted someone in the state office in Virginia for the Church of God, and said, "Hey, my son's, you know, here. Would you have the local pastor reach out to him?" And so the local pastor of the King George Church of God, there in Dahlgren or King George, Virginia, which is uh, Dahlgren's where we were stationed, um, he reached out and called me. And then so we went to church a few times, and it was great. It was a great service. It was a great time, but I was still trying to do my thing, you know, like it didn't yeah. fit in the sailor thing. And then so when I get to the uh, ship, San Diego, 99, um, when I got to the ship in San Diego, 99, we um, uh, started doing deployments or started getting underway. And then I turned 21 and then I could drink and then oh, I could yeah. party and do all that stuff where, you know, how the military is so like. You know, drinking underage is a bad deal, and you didn't want to lose rank. You didn't want to lose pay. Last thing you wanted to do is have to explain to people why you're only this and when you should be that. So, uh, so what? What I did was I found myself trying to. As soon as I turned 21, I went on deployment. So I had like I turned 21 on the 29th of December, and on the 7th of January we were gone, and um, and so I was you know heading out to the Korea, Hong Kong, man, I just sewed it up, just did all the sailor stuff, yep. you know, and, uh, and on that deployment, we had this guy who was a Tomahawk technician, his name is Mark Taylor, I believe, I can't, I'm, I thought about him today, and I was thinking about, I couldn't remember his name, but I think it was I mean, Mark. That is a pretty basic name. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and it could be getting, but I, if he walked in, I'd recognize him, you know, he was a fire control first class, uh, which I was a second, uh, third class at the time, but. He uh, was a tomahawk technician, and he put a Bible study together on the ship for while we were on deployment, which this is before 9-11, so it was a totally different. My two deployments were totally different based off of what 9-11 did. So we met in Sonar 1, uh, in the Sonar 1 room, and and we had Bible study. And the chief there, his name was uh, Sonar, he was an E-7, Chief Weber. Um he it was his space and so he was there he was helping lead it and so i was just using the knowledge that i had and here i am in the middle of the pacific ocean or in the indian ocean and we're having bible study and it was great it was so great because here's a bunch of people who are like me in the fact that they're sailors but they're trying to live for the lord they're trying to live for the lord and then a lot of my preconceived notions of what church is supposed to be my preconceived notions of how bible studies should be wasn't being met, wasn't being, so I found myself kind of being judgy a little bit because this isn't the way I grew up doing it, you know, mm-hmm. this isn't the way that the church of God does it, well, but it's a clash of culture. Yeah. And, and, and absolutely. So some of these guys were from, from, uh, New York, Jason Becker was from New York. And so his, his view was good, but it was different. And so at the time I wasn't wise enough to understand what that meant, but the chaplain found out about us doing it. So in the military, the chaplains, are kind of constrained as to what they can do. Oh, yeah. So there's the different types. There's only really, uh, well, actually, there's a lot. You have the rabbis. Uh, you have, uh, there's Catholics. There's Protestant. And when when I say there's a Protestant uh, chaplain, that's a Protestant chaplain. Mm-hmm. And if anybody listening knows, there's way, there's a hundred different types of Protestant churches. So you don't know what kind of, you know, you're getting. It could be Episcopalian, Presbyterian, it could be Pentecostal, it could be, you know, Whatever they they try their best to cover every type of religion they can with their chaplains, uh, and even still with denominations, sometimes they try to. But at the end of the day, you know that's them checking the block. Hey, we got this covered. If you need to talk to somebody about your beliefs, here you go. Here's a chaplain. Well, and when you have 500 people on a ship, you can't have a chaplain for every denomination. So it nope. makes sense. You got to have what you got to have, and and that's why those people have such have to have seminary and they have to be educated, you know, that way they're kind of an understanding of a lot of different things. Um, I thought it was kind of funny that Catholics don't have to have seminary. All they have to have is their, their Catholic seminary. They don't have to go to college. Oh, yeah. So it's a little different, you know, but which is fine because they're, they're priests, they're actual priests, unlike some chaplains who are just educated in it. Mm-hmm. So there's, a, that's, that's a little different, but, but anyway, so the chaplain got a, involved and uh, he showed up to one of the meetings, and in the meeting he said, "Okay, well the Navy says we got to do this, this, and this," and we're like, "We're done," and that was it. We never had another one because 
Why did you interfere with what we had going that was good? And we met twice a week. Why interfere with it? Why mess with it? You know, and and the uh, chaplains get bored. <laughs> well, really, yeah, I get that. Yeah, and like yeah. in the army, I mean, all they honestly do is if they're not doing like a service, uh, there, there's probably more behind the scenes that I don't see counseling. And stuff. But they're doing a lot of either counseling, suicide prevention is a huge part of the chaplain's job, and honestly, for the most part in my career. When I'm looking at the chaplain, he's just walking around, looking <laughs> very bored. Yeah, and they don't stand watch in the Navy, so I don't know, like, if no, they do. No, they army. can't. They can't carry a gun. They uh, have to have a chaplain's assistant with them at all times, who's supposed to be their personal protection and pretty much helps them out with whatever they do. That's called a religious petty officer in the Navy, RP. Ah. Uh, but anyway, so the that was just kind of an understanding of that particular instance. Um, the the every base has a chapel. And every chapel, I don't know, or I should say, every chapel is for sure used by every every group that's needed. So if there's a heavy Muslim presence, they're going to have use that chapel for for Muslim services. If there's a heavy Jewish presence enough to where there's a, a need for it, they'll have Jewish services, Christian. Uh, then one thing I noticed in Chicago at the chapel was that they had a giant cross, and we had to go up on stage for something, and... When I looked on the back side of the cross, there was the crucifix. There was the the statue of Jesus on the back. So I thought it was, I looked down. I realized they turned that thing for <laughs> for it's the same one, but on one side it has the crucifix part, and the other side just the cross part. So they flip it depending on what services it. So it just gives you an idea of what you're dealing with. Um, but the military, and this is kind of what we talked about getting at, but uh, the military doesn't really push. For people to be religious. No. Because it doesn't fit with what they're doing. The military has a job. They have a job. The job is to fulfill the orders of the president and for the what's the best interest of the country. So it they will they will allow for chaplain services. They will allow for services, Christmas especially, the holidays big ones. They'll have those things. But if they're in the middle of combat it takes a back seat. Yeah, mission comes first mission, always, and always. that's that's completely understandable. Yeah, absolutely. But that mentality of mission comes first goes into the times when it's not necessary. And so you'll you'll have times where, at least from my experience and watching, uh, there was times when we weren't doing anything, and because the mission first mentality, they say, well, you know, we, we won't do anything else because— over here, missions first, church second. Right now, there ain't no mission going on over here, but then that church still takes a second to what? What does it take a second to? To barbecues, to days at the ballpark, to you know division parties, to strip clubs, to bars, to just life, you know. And you'll have people tell stories, and you'll be like, "Whoa, this is crazy! What what's going on?" And so, oh, we sit around and we would, you know, in those times. When we weren't really walking in the spirit, we'd sit around and brag about those stories. Oh, we brag about the <laughs> stupid, crazy stuff yeah. that we did. And I look back at it now, and I don't have that guilt anymore because I know I, you know, I repented of it and I'm forgiven. But I still feel ashamed about it. And I'm like, what a horrible testimony was I putting out there? Because I would talk to other people randomly, mm-hmm. and, and God always comes up in some type of military conversation. You're sitting out there on guard, whatever you're doing. God is bound to get brought up sooner or later. And of course, every single time, oh, well, I'm a Christian. You know, I'm a Christian. You know, I put that out there. But then whenever we get back from deployment or whenever we're out from the field and we go back, go back in for the weekend and I'm sitting there doing shots at the bar and hitting yeah. on every girl I see. And, uh, you know, what kind of testimony am I giving? And one of the biggest wake up calls for me to that, I can't remember the time frame of when it was. My sister, God bless her. God really uses her in amazing ways. She's actually, she's my little sister, but she is one of my, I would almost call her like a mentor in faith because she's so strong in her faith. She sent me a message. I think I was posted something on social media. Go figure social media, (laughs) horrible thing. And I posted, well, no, it's, it it could be a good thing. I posted something on my social media and when she saw it, she messaged me. She's like, Tim, check your witness. And I got that. It was like a gut shot. Yeah. It was like a gut shot. And I was just like, wow. Okay, uh, what am I really doing here? It wasn't the the full on wake up call that I needed yet, but it made me. Yeah, it, it got me thinking. You know, 
because the spirit was still in me. I wasn't exactly walking in the spirit, so I wasn't really reaping the fruits, you know, that the Bible talks about. I wasn't bearing those good fruits, but, it, you know, it hit me. It did hit me, and I still have that convi- I had that conviction in my heart, like, oh, yeah. Tim, you know what you're doing is wrong. Yeah, because God got a hold of you one time, and when you're not there, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, I was better off than this. Why am I not there now? So, yeah, absolutely. And there, There's multiple times where... Um, there's multiple times where you catch yourself doing something, you know, in the military or it doesn't have to be the military, it could be anything. Catch yourself doing something and you know you ain't supposed to be doing it, but but the people around you think it's okay. And so they're not gonna like they'll they'll cheer you on in your sin. Um oh, they'll, they will. they'll help you justify it or they'll oh, it's okay to do that because, you know, this circumstance happened, so it's okay to, to sin, but it's okay to have that. And what what for example, uh, one of the things that just drives me up the wall is when I hear people talk about how it's okay to, you know, leave your spouse, cheat on your spouse because that's what they did. Oh yeah, that and was it, the thing. You know, they go and that's when, when you go military, on TDY. That's yeah, that's a that's a temporary duty status for anybody who doesn't know. They used to joke around. They're like, "Yep, that's temporary divorce status." Yeah, They're like that's that's their their cue to go ahead and. Uh, cheat on their wife and I'm, I'm really trying I'm not trying to badmouth the military but that this is the general consensus of what happens this is what we're living around inside the military and it's so easy to succumb to when you're not walking in the spirit when you're not actively seeking out God and then and then you have a lot of people like yourself like me and Christina kind of uh, we were engaged for like a year and a half before we got married mm-hmm. um I think we were together, I should say, a year and a half before we got married. And uh, there's a lot of people who get married for just to go on deployment. You know, oh, yeah. uh, there's a, a friend of mine who, while he was in Virginia, if he's listening, I won't say your name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he got married to a lesbian just so he can get the BAH money. Yep, I've seen it. And and so and, and she was keeping the lesbian thing under wraps because at the time you can get kicked out for it. Yeah, don't ask, don't uh, yeah, tell. That's, still at the thing. time, don't ask, don't tell was, and so what he did was he married her to throw the sin off her, and then it allowed them to live off base and and have extra money, um, the whole time in a relationship with another lady, back home, and then they wound up divorcing, uh, and then he married his you know his uh, the other girl had kids with her and all that stuff, and, but it was just okay you know nobody nobody looked at that and said, that's, that's horrible, you know? And so what happened was, uh, and, and, and like you said, three months, that's pretty fast. You yep. know, like, yep. uh, and a lot of people get married and, and they get married too young. They don't get married. They don't think about what they're doing in advance. They get married. And so all of a sudden they're on deployment and then you hear the Jody jokes, right? Oh yeah. So the idea is that there's a guy named Jody that's dating your wife while you're gone. And so, uh, and you know, and the guy's, tend to go crazy thinking about that's happening. Now that happened a lot during World War II. There was a there was a woman, I read this article one time, there's a lady in World War II who got married six times during World War II to soldiers who went overseas and died. Hmm. And then and but she would marry these guys and they would leave and they'd never come back. You know, so she she was single again. So she'd marry another soldier or whatever and and all that stuff. I don't know why she would do that. Maybe she was hoping they'd come back and she'd have a husband or whatever. But the fact is that a lot of those guys will get married on, before deployment because there's that mentality that I have to be married before I die. Yeah. they. they I'm not going to lie. Those thoughts crossed my mind. I never got married out of because I was deploying. But those thoughts were definitely in my head. Like, what happens if I go over there, I die, and then I never, you know, I never had a kid or yeah. I never – experienced real love is, you know, I never got married. And then you end up in the military. It's very lonely. It can be very lonely, especially when you're a young kid who's used to being around your family and you're taken away from all that. And now these people that you got around you, they become your family and they're rough. They're a rough family and they become your family. And you know, it's a very, it's a very tough time that was the main thing that I was getting out of like when I went to basic was I missed my family a lot. I was a family guy. I loved being around my family. And because you're an adult 
and you're away from your home, like you're away from your family, you're an adult, you don't have, you don't always have smart people talking to you. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> and, no. And, and unfortunately, the wise people have this fraternization rule where you're not allowed to hang out with them. And they, a lot of times they don't, like an E7 won't walk up here that a, what's the E3 in the Army? Uh, PFC, oh, private so, first class. So if you hear of a PFC that met a lady in Leesville the weekend and he's going to go get married, you're more likely to go up to him and say, hey, listen, don't do that. You know, don't go get married. Don't do that just for this reason because it may not be a good idea. But a lot of times people will be like, eh, well, whatever. It's no big deal. There's no there's no uh, accountability from, from the leadership to say. And if, and if they do, it's because they're close to them and they happen to know them. Or, we had this one guy, for example. He said he met a girl online, uh, and he was he was uh, goofy. I guess is a good way of putting it. He was a skinny kid from Oklahoma, and he's just a little bitty goofy dude. He's an awesome guy down the road. Went up. at the time I didn't really care for him, but he uh, he started dating this girl he met online. He said we're going to Vegas, and we're like, <laughs> do not get married. Like we we were beating on him about it, and he's like, I'm not getting married. I'm just going to Vegas. I'm like, okay, it's like okay. a six-hour drive. Comes back, guess what? Married. But they're still married, and that was 15 years ago. So the, hallelujah. You know, they got kids, and they're doing great. So praise the Lord. Actually, they live in Houston. and uh, But that's a very rare, exactly. a very and rare thing. People honestly, don't intervene enough. They need to. They need to. They do. And honestly, my marriage would have failed if it wasn't for my wife and I's mutual foundation in, in Christ. We, when I, we first started dating, I really started thinking, and it was a short time, but I started thinking, I'm like, man, I might, I actually kind of want to marry this girl. Like I just, <laughs> I kind of felt it, you know, yeah. I've never felt that way of all the different girls I dated and all the stupid womanizing and all that stupid stuff that you do when you're young in the military and you're not walking in the spirit. I never felt this way before. So I asked her, I'm just like, hey, do you believe in God? And she's like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. That's yeah. exactly what me and Christina were about. Mm-hmm. Her story is so similar to ours. And I realized that, hey, we're just alike. So, And there was always that part in me that said, I'm going to get back eventually. But mm-hmm. I'm just going to have my fun now. Mm-hmm. And then I got hooked up with this girl who has the same story as me, who's saying the same things as me. Down the road, we'll get our life straight and start serving God again. So... I mean, not in those words, but it's mm-hmm. the sentiments, what we're saying. And so it, and praise God, it worked out for us. You know, I remember when we were both, one night we were sitting in uh, at church and it was a Sunday night in Clayton Church of God. And I looked over at her and I was thought, how fortunate we are that we made it. You know, so many people try that. They try. Oh yeah. I, I, I mentioned that. the fact that I've been married 12 years in the military and people are like, you serious? <laughs> yeah. To the same woman. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's okay. So we've kind of talked about the the negative negative sides of it. But so I don't know how every denomination is, and I know the Church of God, uh, which is what I'm licensed in, made a made a point years ago to try to have a church outside of every military base in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's Baptist churches everywhere you go. There's Catholic churches everywhere you go. Uh, outside of a military base, we'll, we'll use Fort Polk because that's where we're at. Uh, Deritter and Leesville are the two towns. Uh, they're both maybe 6,000, 7,000 people. Yeah, they I call it Dritter, a city, but, uh, <laughs> I think Deritter has like 10,000 in the, in the city. But, uh, then you have Leesville, which is a way more military town. That, I mean, its population changes and where Deritter's population slightly changes. You get you need to get new crust. Oh, but. you definitely see the difference between Leesville oh. and Deritter. I go to Walmart and Leesville in my uniform. It's like nothing. I go to Walmart and Deritter, you know, I'm constantly, oh, thank you for your service. Oh, thank wow. you for your service. Really? Yeah. Well, that's I, a different, I mean, Leesville is the actual military town. Yeah. But, I mean. Deritter is about 30 minutes south for y'all who don't know Louisiana. Yeah. yeah. And and so there are, in here, in this area, there are a lot of churches. Um, and so oh, I was, I was shocked when I moved down here and I saw exactly how many churches there were. And, you know, I grew up in Ohio. We had churches every now and again, and up in Washington, where I was last stationed, you, you know, you're, you're hard pressed to really find a real good church up there. But and there's then, churches though. But there, there are churches. <laughs> they're, they're mostly mega churches and things of that nature. And then you come down here and I was surprised at the amount of just 
you know, nice small churches. And I was like, well, I got my pick of a whole bunch. Let me go try to find one. And then you pick one of the biggest ones in town. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I tried a couple out beforehand and just really wasn't spirit wasn't really tugging me in that direction. Yeah. But when I walked into Christway, which is the church that we attend to, I was like, you know what? Yep. Yep. It's this in the is top it. I think it's probably the top five largest churches in the in the parish. Yeah. And when we say large, we're not talking three fifty. Yeah, we're three fifty yeah. normal. The Catholic Church has over a thousand members. Oh, okay. Yeah. So and then you have Grace, then you have First Baptist, then us, I believe. Uh, Grace and First Baptist may switch around, but Catholic Church is definitely the biggest. But but every uh, what I'm getting at is every military base, whether you're at thirty second street, Naval Station, San Diego, Norfolk, Camp Lejeune, whether you're at Pope Air Force Base, whether you're, you know, uh, Fort Knox, Fort Benning, uh, what's some other ones? Uh, what's the I one in Kansas that's got the prison? Fort Leven- Riley. Leavenworth. Oh, Leavenworth. Uh, yeah. And it, where, no matter or Great Lakes and San or Chicago, there's churches there. There's people. There's even though the military may not be doing a above and beyond. I get. I I, I think that's the best way to put it. It just came to me. The military does not attempt to go above and beyond for the spiritual welfare of their people. And and you know what really gets me they is they do what they have to. Is if you if you're a Christian in the military and if you're listening to this, just know that I don't I'm not trying to we're not trying to tell you that a hey, military is bad for Christians get out because nope. at the end of the day we need you there. <laughs> we need yeah, we need more Christians in the military. We need to let that light shine out and you can actually thrive in the military. One because People are going to notice. It's really easy to, to give a testimony out in the military because if you're not walking around talking about drinking, swearing, the different people you've hooked up with over the weekend, if you're not one of those people, people are going to start looking at you a little different. And they're eventually going to ask you, hey, what, what's the deal? Are you like one of them Jesus dudes or yeah. something? And that's a gateway open into a conversation Absolutely. that, you know, maybe God's working through you to bring this person to Christ. You never know. And even military career-wise, it can be very successful in the military. It, just in the Army alone, we have this thing called the seven Army values, and everybody learns it at basic training. And it's loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. And in those values are a lot of Christian traits. Yeah. They're, they're, that, that's something that a Christian can live by on their own life and be successful. And you take that and apply that to the military, there's so many verses in the Bible where it talks about being a good worker, being submissive to government to the point where it's not allowing you to stop practicing your faith to being submissive to authority and just overall working hard that Christian soldiers will have that make them good soldiers, good sailors, good Marines or airmen or whatever, uh, whatever you're in. What do they call Coast Guard, by the way? Do you Coasties know? Coasties is what we always call them. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't but, sure of the but, term. In the them. Navy, we call them puddle jumpers, but that's, but I think, uh, we gave them a lot of grief, but they're amazing. Oh yeah, they they're they're pretty brave. Especially now they're Homeland Security. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I I mean they're I wouldn't want to jump jump out jumpers, of a yeah. chopper trying to rescue someone Search in choppy. People, oh jeez. Yeah, yeah, but really the the military you can be super successful if you are walking strong in your faith in the military. In fact, it, it'll help you rise through the ranks. And just like you were saying earlier, that that's the way to let the light shine out in an area where there's so much darkness and the military is set up like that the military is set up for success for the person who has those those types of values that they're loyal to their their country they're loyal to their units just like we're loyal to christ and ultimately like i said we're set up that is set up for success so that way these people can go out there do the job they're supposed to do some of the best soldiers that i've ever had i got the privilege of being a platoon sergeant for the past two years when i was stationed up at fort lewis and the best soldiers that I had were Christian soldiers. They were soldiers who did everything without questioning. They did their job. They did what they were supposed to do. They never talked back. And it, it was amazing. And you really, you really see the difference in the quality of soldier and also the mental toughness. Because we know as Christians, this isn't the end for us. We're living for a better life later on. And... We're not going to get so stuck on the present of what's going on. And even me in my career, I've had so many moments where Christ got me through that other people just break apart. You know, if the promotion list came out 
and I wasn't on it. Well, I know it just wasn't my time. God still has a plan for me at this specific rank. And other people, man, and if you're not in the military and you get passed up for promotion, it can be a pretty heartbreaking time, especially when you think you're doing everything right and everything the way you're supposed to. Absolutely. And then what's crazy on top of that is, is uh, you know, I guess if you if you know somebody who's thinking about joining the military and they are uh, Christians and I am, I'm, I'm hoping that we're doing it justice enough to where you would send them out there, send this podcast to them, this episode of them. Uh, we need people, like you said, we need people in the service that that have a faith base, uh, a Christ-based center. Uh, if, if, if just like we need them in politics, we need them in Congress, we need them in the White House, we need Christians in Hollywood. Come on, and we need a, we need to be everywhere. We need to have a presence everywhere. In the military, the divorce rate is is insane. Oh, it's huge. And and so there is a need for an inward revival of some kind in the military and it might take that person who's in high school now who's in their youth group who may be a respected person in their youth group who has um you know has that that leadership concept who looks at the military as something they want to do but you know when i went through boot camp uh back in 1997 um the uh, I remember this one guy, and his last name was Griffin, and he didn't say a lot, but and I remember the one thing. It was not the one thing, but when he said things, it was very, very Christ-centered. Mm. And when when I would find myself slipping a little bit, he would like to say something, and it was just like, it was it was like a, it was having somebody who understood the lingo, you know, like it's code. We can say stuff to each other. And it was like, we're the only two people who'd ever watched veggie tales. And we could say like this little <laughs> comment and, and I got what he was saying or vice versa and stuff. So I, I won't, I won't tell people never to join. I never do that. And I don't tell people what branch to join. I don't do that either because, um, I'm still in the army, so go army. No, I'm just <laughs> so, joking. I'm joking. Uh, I started wearing my beat army shirt today, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the uh, because there's different traditions and people's got a different role. There's a I, I'm not going to tell somebody who comes to church not to be involved in youth group, you know, because that mm-hmm. might be what they want. I'm not going to tell anybody to stay off, off stage, don't ever do anything on stage, because that may be where God has them. And you going in the air force, the coast guard, which I think sailors would probably be the best way to yeah, describe pretty it. much. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought that a minute ago, but give them their due. Um, you know, there's things that the Coast Guard does that n- no other branch even comes close to doing, and it's re- and it's necessary for them to be there. Oh, yeah. The Air Force does things that only the Air Force can do. The Army does things that only the Army can do. The Navy can do things only the Navy can do. And and the Marines is the same. They do things that only Marines can do. And mm-hmm. so there, it's necessary. So whatever you decide to do, do it. But like you just said, do it like the Bible says to do all things for God as you're uh, do a work and uh, go to work as if you're working for God. Mm-hmm. Do those things with, with power and with sound mind. <laughs> it hurt my Siri. Uh, it's so weird. Technology even, today. Yeah, I know. It's like, I didn't even say that. But do all things as if you're doing them for God. And, and so while you're there, while you're in the kingdom, in the military, don't lose heart. Don't lose focus. Stay. Get off the base and tie into a church that reads out of a different translation than you're used to. Oh, they don't read King James? I don't want to go there. Or they do read King James? I don't want to go. Just go. Get around people and enjoy the different types of worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may not be the type of worship you, you're into, but but it's okay. Be around people. Be around it. And allow the the... Some of the there's a lady, I, I meant I should have looked it up. I forgot to. Her name was Amanda Katai, and she's married now. She's got two little beautiful kids. She lives in Indiana. She was right right there in Gurney, Illinois, which is where the church we went to was. And Andrew and I met her. She was a civilian. She had nothing to do with the military. Uh, she was our age, but she wasn't one of those uh, civilian chicks that's always around the military. She was just doing her own. That girl loved God so much, and she loved us because she loved God. Mm-hmm. And we would go to her house and eat with her, meet her mom and her dad. I went, 
to her great I went to her grandpa's house and her grandma's house up in Zion, Illinois, right next to the Wisconsin. And we're just walking around. It was beautiful, green. It was just amazing. And it was just a great time to be around these people who I would have never met had I not gone to church and been around those people. The influences that some of those people had. And there there was a Bible, a Bible uh, Sunday school teacher for our age who was a senior chief, E8 in the Navy. And he, because we're off base, you know, and he looks at us as young Christians who happen to be in the same job as him. Mm -hmm. And that man pulled us aside and spent time talking to us and was very, uh, very, his desire was for us to be good Christian sailors, Mm -hmm. you know, not sailors who are Christians, but good Christians who are sailors. I love love how you put that because he was a great guy. We're, we're, Christians first. Yeah. I was just doing a study on it recently on on identity. And today's America, identity seems to be everything, whether it's gender identity, racial identity. A lot of people take pride in that. And us in, as Christians, we can't get wrapped into that. And even in the military mindset, you know, because I'm always, you know, soldier first, soldier first. Oh, I'm a Christian first. Yes. Christ died, made me a new person. You know, I went, went down in the water one way. I came back up another way. Yeah. And that's what Christ's blood did. And I'm a new person. And my first identity is a Christian and everything else that happens is, is after that. So I'm a Christian soldier or I'm a Christian man or a Christian yeah. woman. And that's, that should be our identity first. I mean, to get you off track, no, no, but you're it was, right. you're it was right. something that, you know, really has been speaking to me uh, lately on that. And, and so for us, it's it's a good for us to find ourselves in a church that, and, and if you're around a military base, more than likely you're going to find a church, I'm sorry, more likely you're going to find a church that is um, very fond of the military. You know, like yeah. our church is very pro-military. Oh, huge. They got a giant American flag in the back. <laughs> yeah. You can't get much more pro-military than that. Yeah, they're very, yeah. And and remember uh, how many years ago it was, we actually had for Veterans Day, we actually had some one person from every branch, that was veterans, that could still fit in their uniforms. I, <laughs> I can't now. I can't now. Trust me, I've changed some, out a couple times. <laughs> I'll find you some pictures, and we had a Marine, Air Force, uh, Army, and Navy, and we did this little like mock up like flag presentation. Star Spangled Banner, Jeff played it. And it was, it was, we did it for both services because back then we had two services. And it was just, it was so cool being a part of that because um, it just, it's, it's, yeah, we're celebrating veterans. Thanks for what veterans do. It gives us the, the sacrifices that, that people have done and paid for this country is that what has allowed us to have the freedoms that we have today. Um, however, we have to remember those. So we kind of kicked to the third section. So the first being that how crazy it is. Second being that there's stuff out there. But the third being that we have to remember that people in the military, uh, whether they're four-star admirals, whether they're E1s, you know, all in between, they need our prayers. Mm-hmm. They need our prayers for decision-making. They have to do stuff that, that we... You know, I woke up this morning to help get the kids on the bus, and we sit down for a minute. I had to go to the DMV, and I had my stuff to do. But, you know, I don't think about it, but there's kids, kids in Afghanistan that at the same time that I'm doing that, that are going through stuff. There's people deployed right now, going through the Straits of Hormuz and going to the Persian Gulf. There's people who are actively deployed right now who need our prayers and it may not be because they're going through combat, but it may be because they're struggling with this is how I was supposed to be doing and the, and the military and my friends, they want me to do this and, and I need, I need encouragement so that I can, uh, I need encouragement so that I can stay in the faith. I need, I need people that, so if you know anybody, okay, so let's do it this way. If you know anybody that's active duty, Military, spend time praying for them. Put, put, push away the plate or something, whatever it takes, sacrifice time and pray for these people 
and pray for their friends, pray for their their leaders, pray that their lieutenants and their and whatnot don't send them into something crazy because they're trying to be prideful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, you know make sure that their their command is good. And 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 here's another thing you don't think about. Right, you can get so deep into prayer for people. Let's let's pick somebody uh, at random. Okay, uh, let's say Tom Smith is from Kentucky. And he's in Afghanistan, and his wife Sarah is in Kentucky with her kids. And you're praying for Tom, but you also got to be like praying for Tom's squad leader and Tom's squad leader's wife who's pregnant in San Diego. You know, you think about that. So, why are you doing that? Well, because if he's thinking about something going on with his wife, he might make a bad decision that gets Tom in trouble. You know, mm-hmm. and so when you look at a division or what do y'all call it? What's the smallest a squad? Uh, it depends what job you're in. So in artillery, it would be a section. Section. So the for us, it was a work center. It was like the smallest group of people, mm-hmm. and like five five to ten people. Most on what. people know infantry. Yeah, that would be a squad. No, a team actually. Oh, a team. Okay. So you when you know somebody, you pray for them. You pray for their team. You pray for their work center. You pray for their division. You pray for everybody around them and pray that their minds are in the right spot, that their, that their hearts are in the right spot. And even if they don't believe in God or they don't have a relationship with God, doesn't mean that when you pray that God doesn't answer those prayers and put peace in their heart, peace in their mind. And, and then you have those admirals and generals that are out there making decisions that if I know if I, I mean, I could not imagine what it's like to say, we have to do this and I know we're going to lose somebody. Yeah, just that, to just to think about that. Statistically, you... in military, they do a at least in the army, they have a, and they have this thing called acceptable loss, you know, and and they kind of judge things based off of that. Like when things were ramping up, like they were thinking we were going to go to Korea there for a little bit. When things were starting to get crazy before the president stepped in, they were saying acceptable loss rate for that would be a fifty percent ratio what they would deem success. You know, that's 50% of the forces that they sent over there Won't killed. Home, yeah. yeah. will not go home. They would be killed. And that's how the military looks at it. And, you know, like you said, we got to pray for those higher ups, those generals that are making these decisions. Cause even me as a platoon sergeant, I'm low on the army scheme things, you know, I'm an E seven, but I was in charge of 34 dudes and I had to tell them where to go, what to do and how to do it. And knowing that, if I put somebody in the wrong place at the wrong time because I wasn't thinking straight or my mind wasn't straight, you know, it could potentially mean I'm losing that section of soldiers that I put out there. And, you know, that would, that would, man, it'd feel horrible. But luckily, you know, everything that I did in the military then and everything I still continue to do now, I pray on it. I pray on it. I'm like, Lord, please give me the wisdom, the guidance whatever it takes to get these guys back home to where we are, even if it's just a training event, I'll do it because soldiers sadly still lose their lives in training events. I mean, we just had it happen not too long ago here in Fort Polk. You know, a couple of soldiers lost their lives in a, in a helicopter crash. Yeah, I read about that. Very sad. So we, like you said, we have to pray for these higher ups and the decisions they make. And then the soldiers on the ground, uh, making these decisions because you you put it perfectly you have a 17 year old kid that's the youngest that you can go into if your parents sign a little permission slip uh 17 18 year old kid i'm not going to say man because they are still a kid trust me i've seen these people come through and you're giving them a weapon you're giving them a gun and you're giving them instructions and they are supposed to cover those instructions they got their left limit they got their right limit and if somebody comes in there that's not supposed to be in there they have to take that shot. And that can be something devastating to somebody, especially for somebody who didn't, I don't want to say brainwashed because the military does kind of brainwash you in a way, but it's almost, it's a second nature type thing. You know, especially when I, in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, I, when I was deployed, <laughs> I remember the, and I'm not trying to get into the thousands of deployment stories because if anybody's been in the military, you know, you've heard a, you heard a million of them, but I can remember being deployed and the very first time that I got hit with an IED, I wasn't running around screaming. I wasn't, you know, just standing there in awe and shock and disbelief. Uh, I wasn't freaking out. The very first thing I did was picked up my weapon and started returning fire because that's what I was ingrained to do. We 
trained on this stuff a hundred million times over, but it's not until after the fact that you really, the adrenaline wears off and then you're like, whoa, that just happened. what just happened here? And then especially for a soldier who doesn't have Christ, and I keep saying soldier, I'm not trying to be yeah, inclusive. Yeah, yeah. It's just That's your thing. habit for me. That's a flaw that, you have. <laughs> oh boy. We'll see, we'll see in the army Navy game. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> when they take somebody's life like that, and especially they don't have Christ, they can go around to their buddies and brag about how they did it. And deep down inside, they might be tore up about that. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to a guy one time. I don't know where he's at in his walk of life now, but he, he was telling me about a time where he had to, you know, take somebody out, took the shot, killed him. It was the right call to do. And, he had to search that person and he opened up his wallet and found picture of his wife and his kids. And, you know, and he had a real moment where he realized this guy's just like me trying to make a living. Who knows if this guy was coerced into it, threatened into it. And it's, it is a tough, tough thing, especially when you get into the biblical portions and you're like, should I join the military? Is this something that God would look, uh, look on me to do that? You have to really pray about if I, I've been a Christian, like I said, my most of my life. If God did not want me here in the military, I would know. Yeah. The Spirit would definitely have pulled me out all those multiple times I've re-enlisted and told me, told me to get out of here. Just like when the Spirit talks to me when I'm trying to find a new church to go to every yeah. PCS move I do. That's a permanent change of duty station. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you're a Christian in the military and you're going through stuff like that, pray on it because yeah. the Spirit will take you where you need to go. And I can't emphasize that enough is you need to be in that word. It's important for us to encourage those um, that are there. And we kind of hit on it. it send, them a, send them a package. You know, like there's nothing. Yeah, I mean, you know what it's like. Getting a care package right. from home, right? Oh, that was uh, the most the motivating part yeah. of my day in a deployment. <laughs> and, or it, just a letter, mail call. It's just a, Oh, basic training. Yeah. I lived on those letters. Oh, man. You got to let people know that you're thinking about them and praying for them. And then... On the other side of that, when people get out, um, the that you just talking about your your guy you're talking about, um, who in thirty years he's still going to open that envelope or that wallet in his sleep, you know he's going to see, he may not remember the guy who told him to do what he was doing his name, but he'll probably forever remember the picture of that woman and that kid. And if and that and the point I was trying to make with that is if you have Christ in your life. You know, no matter what, you're at peace with that in your mind. I mean, you still feel, yeah, still don't get feel me wrong, you yeah, still feel that still guilt. Yeah. You still see it, but it's not It's not haunting you uh, the way it would haunt somebody who, who, who doesn't have that stability of Christ in their life. Yeah, and and that's why it's important for us to to reach out in prayer. And, to, and like, if, if you happen to live near a military base and you're listening to this— uh, there's all kinds of things you can do. We actually started a year, a few years ago. Started we talked about. We never really did it. We talked about creating a a, a ministry that was focused on helping the families of military deployed. Um, we never got around to doing it. A lot of stuff kind of got in the way. Um, some people, some people that are in this area, uh, are very bitter toward the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everybody in this area are accepting of it, you know. Oh, I'm I'm well aware. So I can I can imagine what it would be like to be in a place that's different, you know, like oh, uh, like in California or somewhere. Wait, when was I was stationed worse. at JBLM Washington, not to go into it long, but you know, it was a common thing for me to get "Baby Killer" written on my car, even though they don't know what I've ever done. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've had milkshakes thrown at me had milkshakes thrown on my car because we used to have to have these dod stickers on yeah. our car they did yeah, away yeah, with yeah, that yeah, thank yeah. god uh, <laughs> but yeah we get milkshakes thrown on my car i get rocks thrown i had my car keyed uh just a lot of cowardly things you know they they were not very appreciative up there uh in, in those areas that could really use a lot of jesus in their life <laughs> yeah and so it, i think it's if we take away from this in a summary i guess mm-hmm. it's that the military is not, like we said, it's not geared to go above and beyond the help for the spirituality of its soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, mm-hmm. and, and such. It's not geared. It's there to support, uh, but it's not the mission. No, it's not their priority. Uh, so what we need to do is be 
I guess we, we just need to be extraordinarily thoughtful and prayerful of, of what's going mm-hmm. on. And if you're a veteran and you're listening and you remember, you know exactly what we're talking about, um, don't forget to pray for them. You know, it, it's easy for us to get, you know, in my world, especially doing what I do, uh, it's crazy to doing what I do. And I, I find myself not even thinking about military because we had a guy recently in this past week who got caught up in a fireball and jumped out of the bucket. I build power lines for a living, uh, so I do uh, line work, so I'm in the bucket all the time. Oof. And uh, and he got caught in a fire and jumped from 30, 40 feet, landed, shattered his legs. Uh, and so I find myself praying for those guys a lot. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, and the line the line world is, is, is intense. Very military-esque. It's all about oh, doing sure. this thing. So, but... Um, but we have to be, you know, when you think about it, pray for them. Don't just, don't just pray on the holidays, you know, Veterans Day, Memorial Day, you know, all those kind of Armed Forces Day, such as that. But just to be, to be in in prayer of especially those people that you know that are in, uh, and and not just those that are in, but the mamas and the daddies and the brothers and sisters, and the husbands and wives that get left behind during deployment. Um, the, that is such an amazing there's a lack of, of prayer for those people uh, because we pray for the soldiers and the sailors and the airmen and marines that are overseas but guess what there's wives husbands and kids that are yeah. left back here without their parents for for a period of time hopefully for a period of time hopefully they get to come home but during that process is so stressful oh yeah I mean we, we can make a whole nother video on on the life of the military spouse is yeah. it's one of oh, the <laughs> oh yeah it's one of the roughest things you can ever go through and honestly i wouldn't be where i'm at today if it wasn't for my wife and how strong she is and you pray for those spouses like you said because they're going through some tough stuff they're getting pulled from their life that they knew back home and they're being forced to move all over the place in areas that they're strange to you know, my wife was scared to death to come to Louisiana. I'm not gonna yeah. lie, because if you, I know none of y'all ever seen my wife before, but she's, you know, she's a Filipino girl. She grew up in America though for the most most part of her life, but she was afraid of coming down to Louisiana because she was really afraid of you know the culture and not being accepting of her. She found out it was you know much better than what she thought it was, but you know those fears are there, and especially for those wives, they get pulled from their their lives, and not just wives, husbands too. Uh, military spouses in general it's 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 a rough life pray for those people yeah and so i think that it's um imperative for us to 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 not forget that to think about them deployed and and to even even to go as far as that if you live close enough if you live close enough to a base a lot of times especially at the training bases like uh where there's boot camps mm-hmm. they have um deals where you can take take them from boot camp and feed them thanksgiving lunch oh i wish i had that oh i did it was awesome <laughs> i loved it uh i'll tell you the story later it was crazy uh we did that last year with our friend mark and Kristen in uh uh in san antonio we took two airmen out of boot camp and and spent the day watched a fo- little football with them uh one of them was from ohio i think or indiana one in one same thing mm-hmm. same thing uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, I, one of them. But they, uh, we we watched football. We had a good time and and prayed with them, and then sent them back to the basic. Uh, do do little things like that. Reach out to them, and and uh, if if you don't know anybody that's active, um, one of the one time after nine eleven, uh, it was way different. But after nine eleven, we uh, had a box come in, and it said. Uh, CFO2, which was our division, or our work center. And it was from a lady who knew the mom of one of our sailors. But she didn't have anybody. She just knew that, hey, I know this this lady's son is in on deployment, and so they just threw a care package together and sent it to us. You know, it, it, seems, it seems silly. You know, 50 bucks is a lot. You can put a lot of candy in that thing. You know, oh, most yeah. People don't see, so just motivating. Come up with all kinds of stuff to help to lift them up and to to encourage them in Christ, to encourage them in the kingdom, to encourage the spouses that are left behind, 
to encourage that the the people in command, the people who make decisions, make those in Christ-centered, and that starts at the top, the White House down, uh, through the Pentagon, through everywhere, that everybody's decisions are made in the best interest of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that's unlikely, but it doesn't mean we stop praying for that. No. We don't. We don't. We we do continue that. Um, I'm excited that we did this today. Oh yeah, uh, I was it got a, got to say a lot that I've always wanted to say. Yeah, I think it's important that we we. I mean, we've kind of rambled on that. We need to pray for them. We need to we need to lift them up and pray and and mm-hmm. and do whatever we can and and go above and beyond what we normally do. Because sometimes we believe the military doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. do that. And, and just one more point to, to drive this home. Like I said before, really want to emphasize, if you're a Christian and you're debating getting in the military, by all means, pray on it. And if the Spirit leads you there, do it. Absolutely. Do it. Uh, I can't tell you enough how much you, you, with that mentality, that Christian mentality, you can succeed in there. Just be careful because the devil's going to put a whole bunch of roadblocks in your in yeah. your path there. You just got to make sure you jump over them, avoid them, swerve, whatever you got to do. Just don't get off that path, and you will have a very successful time. It won't be easy, but it's not easy for anybody, but you will be successful. And if anything, your faith will come out stronger, like me, for instance. Absolutely. So uh, thanks for listening to both podcasts today. Mm -hmm. And uh, Tim, you pray us out? Oh, yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time, this opportunity, this technology that we have to be able to go out and do a podcast to just listen to other, to have people listen to us and we can talk about these stories that we've had, give testimonies on our lives that may be helping out other people, Lord, and to know that you can work through these different functions and technologies, Lord, is amazing. We thank you for that stuff. We we thank you for everything you do in our lives. And we do pray for all those military that are here, home, deployed, whether they're thinking about going in, whether they're out already and they're a veteran, Lord, we pray for those those people that you just gather them up, Lord, and you just put your blessings on them, Lord, and you put them on a, a good path. We, we ultimately pray for them that they would, they would come to Christ, Lord, and we just thank you for all that you do in our lives, and thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to make this happen. In your will alone, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.